0: I might need to lean on it, yes. Well, let's not stop praying. Lord, You are our Creator, our Father. Lord, thank You for sending your, the Prince of Peace and the Comforter, Lord. I pray that Your comfort will come over all of us here, Lord. That You would remove the distractions from our lives and the worries from our lives. Lord, help us to be available for your Holy Spirit to come into us and, and just transform us, Lord. So, Lord, I, just, I pour myself out to you, Lord, and I just pray that this would be of you and that you would speak the words that you would have each of us hear, Lord, and help us to hear them in your perfect way, that we would leave this place different than we arrived. So, Lord, I just pray this in your Son's mighty and powerful name. Amen. 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 So again, I am absolutely blessed to be able to be here with you today. Um, thank you, Jack, for going to the mainland. We pray for your safety and your quarantine recovery. Um, we know that your tests will be negative, uh, but I do thank, thank him for this opportunity to come up here and share the word. It is so healthy for my life, and, and I thank Robert for his message last week in just kind of setting the stage for what we have a chance to talk about this week. Um, we're going to speak of the Holy Spirit and, and the Spirit of God. Um, I've never had an opportunity to teach on this before. Uh, we've dabbled uh, in teaching about the Holy Spirit um, at youth group when I had the chance to work with the, the, um, as a youth leader, um, but this will be very, very new, and uh, it was really exciting to be able to look into the Word and study about the Spirit, so I look forward to uh, sharing that with you. Um, last week, Robert set up, uh, the study by kind of presenting the essential question about what does it look like in our daily lives to empower the Holy Spirit to witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he talked about like not just banking on the big events, right? Not going from one hilltop, one mountaintop to the next mountaintop, but instead understanding that this daily empowerment of the Holy Spirit was a part of our daily routines and ordinary life. And over the last two weeks, uh, we've become aware of the importance of things like fellowship and prayer and seeking the will of God through His Word. Uh, In Acts 2, we saw the believers united and breaking bread while devoted to the teaching of the apostles. These are the things that we're called to do as a church to make sure that we're available and standing by ready for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to work through us and do these miraculous giftings the Lord had for His apostles then and that He still has for us today. So today, we're going to look into who the Holy Spirit is and how does he work. Uh, and specifically, we're going to look at Acts chapter three and the example of John and Peter. And they're healing um, on a leper outside the temple. So let's get right into it. Um, In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, we'll read the um, whole kind of the the miracle, and then we'll, we'll break it down. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, with Peter, with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took uh, him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaped up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at to what had happened. Now, Peter and John were commissioned by Jesus and recognized in the early church as apostles, special ambassadors to Jesus Christ. And we heard in chapter 2 Uh, that many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now, a few weeks ago, somebody in the audience asked Jack the question, Jack, who are the apostles of today? And Jack said, it's all of us. And I remember hearing that and flinching and being like, oh no, wait a second, you can't be talking about me. I think it's... I think we have to be careful when looking at these early apostles that we don't separate ourselves from who they are and what they did. Because it's really easy to say, oh, they're the special ambassadors, they're the ones gifted with miraculous powers, and that was the early church. They couldn't possibly be talking about me. And we have to shed this perspective um, that it's not for us, because it's the same spirit then as it is now. And it's the same works then as it is now. So I really want to commit today's message to looking at who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works, how the Holy Spirit worked for the apostles, but then what the Holy Spirit's doing in our life today. These weren't extraordinary men. These weren't extraordinary times. We have to remember when these disciples first came on the scene with Jesus, They were fishermen, some of them less than reputable. And by the time they get to Acts, we're like, oh no, they're super special now. They're just ordinary men just like us. And so as we go through today's study, listen to these stories that are presented in Acts 3 as nothing than extraordinary, but look at them as if like, where is this happening in our lives around us right now? The Spirit worked through the believers, and through these apostles. The men did not do enough. They did not believe hard enough. It was the Holy Spirit that was working through them. And the reason it was the Holy Spirit was able to is because they were available. They were in fellowship and prayer and unity, breaking bread, bread together and devoted to the teachings of Jesus. So if we're going to look into the Holy Spirit, let's take a look first at the, the, the spiritual giftings that he speaks of in 1 Corinthians 12. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but is the same God who worked in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So if the Spirit distributes individually as He wills, why would He choose like a particular gift to give at any particular moment? And now this bigger question of why might not be totally apparent. The goal of the Holy Spirit is made clear through the Word and it's to glorify Jesus and to build His nature and character in each of us. The Spirit's goal is to never amaze or confuse but to build on the fruit of the Spirit. He won't ever like, use these giftings or not use the giftings for any other work. The work is towards the end of pointing to Jesus Christ. Jesus made it very plain when He said in John 15, He will testify of Me, speaking of the Spirit. And then He said later in John, He will glorify Me for he will take what is of mine and declare it to you. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to promote himself or any man, but to glorify and represent Jesus. And we can therefore trust that the true ministry of the Holy Spirit is according to the name of Jesus. A couple months back in January, I was preparing for a really big race. It was going to go from Hilo to Volcano, and it was the longest race, most grueling one I'd ever done. And I had myself very convinced that I was meant to do it alone, that I wasn't going to inconvenience inconven- con- anybody with this ridiculous distance I was about to take on. So I was training and preparing for it, and uh, a couple weeks before the race, we, we were in church, And I uh, found Dustin and Jack having a conversation over by the coffee. And Dustin was talking to Jack about a dream he had. And Jack was asking, so what's your interpretation of that dream? Um, Because it had everything to do with the word and Jesus. And I'll just kind of summarize what the dream was. But uh, Dustin was telling Jack that he was in this desolate, desert-like space at a crossroads where him and Jack were both in the dream and they were reading the word. And as they were reading the word, the intensity of the experience was growing and escalating higher and higher. And the more they read, the more intense the dream got. And Jack encouraged Dustin to continue to read. And at that moment, while they're standing at the crossroads, the sky opened up and a huge ray of light shot down from the sky right onto that space. Well, I heard this, and I absolutely love dreams, and I was like, eavesdrop, and I'm like, whoa, that's so exciting. What does it mean? What does it mean? And so we left that conversation, and about two, la- two days later, I'm on the road doing one of my last training runs before the race, and I'm down on the lower highway. Um, I'm running out towards Waikoloa. And as I'm running, I'm seeing how, like, desolate the lava fields are and how, like, desert-like it is. And I start thinking about Dustin's dream. And I was like, wow, if I was to visualize what Dustin's dream looked like, it would kind of look just like this. And as that's happening, I'm getting really filled up with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like starting to, to think about the race and think about the way I'm supposed to do it. And I start to get confirmed that I'm not meant to be alone and that I'm supposed to go to the race in fellowship with other believers and brothers. And I'm like, oh, this is completely different than what I've been planning for for the last six months. No, I'm supposed to do this alone. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, you're supposed to go with believers so like I can work. And now I'm like in awe and I'm like, I'm thanking him and and I'm starting to kind of weep a bit on the road. And as this is happening, I'm coming right up to that new cross section right at um, Y-Clo where the stoplight is. And now I'm kind of starting like, whoa, look, here's the crossroads and, if I was to visualize Dustin's dream, it would look just like this, desert, crossroads. And I, right at that moment, um, I'm about to enter the intersection, the sky cracks open, and an entire huge beam of light comes right down on me, and I just start weeping. And the Holy Spirit absolutely confirmed that Dustin and Jack were supposed to go to that race with me, and the Holy Spirit had some mighty work to do there, way beyond the completion of the race or me running anything silly like that. But the Holy Spirit wanted to kind of continue and glorify his kingdom. So I finished that run, and I can't wait to call Dustin and Jack immediately. And I need to tell them what just happened, and that they're supposed to go with me in the race. And sure enough, they both agreed, and they're like, yeah, we'll go with you. We have no idea how to support you. So I gave them the whole nutrition list and what I needed every mile, and they were the best support team ever. But what we came to find out, it wasn't about the race at all but it was about being able to go to that space with those athletes on that day to be able to give testimony to Jesus Christ. When I checked into that race the day before the race, the the race director found out that um, I knew uh, an athlete who had just passed away two days prior. And when he found out that I knew Sylvia, um, he asked me to give a tribute at the beginning of the race. So at 5.30 in the morning on race day, I'm thou being asked to deliver to the whole group of athletes and all the race directors. Well, I'm like, sure enough, Lord, this is where you want me to speak of your hands and feet, you know, out here on the race course and the work that you have for us to do out there in support and supporting and loving one another. Well, the enemy was standing by. He wasn't happy with this at all. And of course, he was in the back of the group. And the, the gentleman stood up right when I encouraged everybody to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And he sat up and said, I take offense to that. Well, my first response is I wanted to kick him in the legs, but I didn't because I knew our God was bigger and able to handle all of these things. So I I shared with him, well, let's go out there and love one another. And he was able to get on board with that. So we run the race. And by the end of that day, the race directors on the intercom at the finish line telling people, God bless. And when I crossed the finish line, he took a special note to me and said, God bless you, Doug. Later that day, we found out that this race director went onto the internet and posted on his social media page that anybody that brings the attitude of that gentleman at the beginning of the day is not invited or welcome at his races anymore. The Holy Spirit had all of this testimony to do to Jesus Christ. And uh, man, did he transform what I thought was going to be an experience where I was just sustained in a certain state, and he turned it into something so much more. And this is the transformation that, that he has for us. It's the same transformation we see happening here in, uh, in the book of Acts 3, where he's transforming the condition of this lame man. He completely changed my condition and he completely changed this lame man's condition. The lame man simply wanted to be supported where he was at. He was satisfied with receiving monetary alms. But Jesus had so much more for him. The lame man was expecting to receive something. He probably even held out his cup but he had so much more to receive than just money. Too often we settle for less than God wants to give us. And it happens for a few different reasons, right? It could be the low expectations that we have. Sometimes it's our our distorted view of the Spirit where it's materialistic or superstitious views of what the Spirit should be. And then sometimes we just get taken out by the world or taken out by our own sin and therefore aren't available for the Holy Spirit to empower us and work in a miraculous way. I want to reference John 14, verses 15 through 17. It says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. The times that I feel separated from the Lord and the workings of the Holy Spirit is when I'm in the world. And it's got a hold of me. And it's not until I get back into the practice of fellowship and prayer and devoted to the teachings and in the world that I then become united with the believers and with the Word of God for the Holy Spirit to empower and move. We have to be available. And as believers, we have to receive the gifts because He's going to provide it, but it's still up to us to receive it. Sometimes our past teachings and experience kind of gives us a poor understanding of the Holy Spirit and His gifts. So let's take a few minutes and look into the spirit. So the Spirit of God was there from the beginning. We see him in Genesis chapter one, verse two. The spirit of God is hovering over the darkness of the water." And then in Luke, we see a powerful example of it. in Luke chapter one, verse 35, when the, uh, Luke records the angel's response to Mary when she questions her conception. And the angel answered her the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called the Holy, the Son of God. And then because we have a father who's creating his family and we're a part of it, in Romans eight fourteen, it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit is of truth, that it must be received, and therefore dwells with us. The Spirit is the helper, sent by the Father in Christ's name to teach us and bring remembrance to Christ, what He said. And this Spirit is to point us to Jesus and be witnesses. Uh, our relationship with the Spirit is referred to in 2 Corinthians as fellowship and we're told in Romans 8:26 the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words hallelujah and in second peter chapter 1 verse 21 and this is kind of what we see happening with the uh, the apostles at this point. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And this is what's happening to Peter and John. They were given the miraculous, the, the, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, this gift of faith. And yes, faith is a part of our essential work, our essential life as a Christian, but the gifting of faith is the supernatural trusting of God in all circumstances. You know, it, we see it when Peter walked out on the water. We're meant to be in fellowship with the Spirit, immersed in this condition that we live in our daily and ordinary lives, day in and day out. And there's times that we might not want to. Like the Spirit asks us to do some things that sometimes are pretty uncomfortable. And we're like, whoa, you can't possibly be asking that of me. A couple years back, I uh, needed a state ID. I didn't quite have the driver's license in our state yet. And my father wanted us to go golfing. And in order to do that, I needed a state ID to prove Kama Aina. So I called the DMV in Hilo and I said, how late are you open? And the woman says, four o'clock, hangs up. And so now I'm racing after school to get to the DMV so I can get the state ID, uh, and I get there at 3.45 through security, and I'm into the office. And as you know, the stereotype of DMV workers is that they are the most difficult, unpleasant people to work with. And she proved the stereotype to be absolutely true. So at 3.45, I open her door, and I walk in, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. And I've been praying the whole time there, and I'm like, God, please let me get, let me get the state ID. I he had so much more planned, I had no idea. I get through the office door, and it's 3.45, and she looks at me, and she's checking in a couple, and I hear they're getting their marriage license. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And then uh, she looks at me, and she says, you won't be able to be helped before 4 o'clock. I won't be able to get to you. You just have to leave. And she sends me out. She had nothing to do with me. The eye contact dropped. She wasn't going to entertain my request at all. She didn't even hear what it was. She just said, we're closed. And I had to turn around, discouraged, like, this can't be what's supposed to happen. Just drove an hour to get here. And I get back out to my car, and I'm like, God, is this really what you had planned for me today? And he says, pick up that dog cake and take it back into her and give it to her with no expectation of anything in return because that day at school and some of you might remember this dog cake because I took it down to the beach on Easter that year I had won a raffle and won a $200 designer made fondant dog cake and it looked exactly like a pound puppy it was almost realistic looking I'm telling it was a designer cake and I was like sweet look at this amazing piece of art and sculpture." And I'm like going to take it home and share it with my family and bring it to the church. And the Lord's like, take that into that office and give it to her. And I'm like at the car, like, there's no way you're joking. And he's like, do it. And he's almost like, test me, right? And I'm like, oh, this is so crazy. So I pick up the dog cake and I walk back into the courthouse area where the office was. And of course, I have to go through security again, right? So I put the big fondant dog cake. And this thing's like this big, like it's no little cake. I put it on the conveyor belt and the dog cake goes through the conveyor belt and gets x-rayed, right? To see if there's any knives in there. And the security guards are looking at me. I'm like, I don't know. God told me to bring this dog cake in. I don't know what's happening. So I walk into her office with the dog cake and I set it on the counter and she looks at me with just stink eyes. She's so mad that I'm back. And I'm just like, Look, I don't want anything from you. God told me to bring you this cake and just give it to you. I have no expectation or anything. I'm just going to leave it here and I'm going to go. And I'm really trying to run out of the office because I don't want her to think I'm trying to bribe her or do anything criminal. And she's already really scary. So I set the dog cake down and she takes her finger and pokes it. And her finger goes through the fondant into the dog cake. And now she has fondant and frosting on her finger. She's like, oh, it's really a cake. And I'm like, I know, I know, enjoy it. And I start trying around, she's like, wait, stop. And I'm like, she's, she's like, what do you need? And her heart just breaks and she softens. And all of a sudden, she starts to service me. And I'm just like, really, you don't have to, like, it's okay. And she's like, come on, let's get you taken care of. She takes me in the back room, takes my picture, gets me that state ID, and then I go golfing on Saturday. The story is not about me getting the, the state ID. It's about how the Holy Spirit asks us to do things that are sometimes out of our understanding and that He can still work through them in miraculous ways. That woman's heart got broken that day, and I got to tell her about Jesus. So, hallelujah. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> oh, she wouldn't take it. She didn't take the cake. I tried, please, you have to take it now. Oh no, I have nobody, nobody will eat it. I don't want it, right? She makes me take it home then with the finger poked in. This was pre-C19, so it was okay. Uh, I fed it to my family. We ate off it as long as we could and then there was still the whole butt section left of the cake. So I brought it to the church family on Easter down at Hapuna Beach, right? And I gave the rest away to all of you. this is great. that dog cake was amazing. See, the Holy Spirit can use almost anything. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we ate the head. Peter didn't have any money. Peter didn't have any gold or silver. But what he did have. Was the, the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And Peter knew of healing. Uh, Jesus had talked uh, to him and the disciples and trained them. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure disease, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He had trained them. Just like He's trained us through His permanent Word, through the other apostles around us, He builds us up in the same way. Because we read in John 14.12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who believes in Me, the works that I do, He will do also, and greater works than these He will do, because I go to the Father. Jesus has intended for us to do great works, even greater than we read about in the Word. It's a remembrance to us that that's who we are. We are loved by the Father. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And He has miraculous things for us to do right here in His church. Jesus summarizes His ministry in John 14, 7, when He prays, I glorified you, and He's referring to the Father at this point, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So if we're doing the works that Jesus did, and to an even greater degree, it would seem that we should be doing, that we should be doing miracles, living in complete dependence on the Father, obeying Him in all things, demonstrating the Father's love and mercy, and confronting religious errors of our day. Jesus did that and more. And this is the church that we're called to be too. I came across a commentary, the, the author was Lasour. it said, it is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable the task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of Christ. Hmm. They gave this lame man a new condition. They gave him the ability to walk and rise up. And I think a lot of times we want that same power, And we wanted to grab people's arms and rise them up. Like, I want you to be better. I want you to be healed. And I think sometimes that we haven't received that own transformation in our lives. We haven't received the healing that Jesus has for us. So how can we possibly be people to lift others up? Jack laid hands on me a couple years ago, about nine years ago. I went out for prayer. And... Jack and I laid down um, sins of alcohol addiction and self-righteousness and substance abuse at the foot of the cross. And it was a miraculous healing in my life because from that moment forward, my addictions were given to Jesus. And he was able to transform my life and make me available to do his work. And because of that, years later, I had the opportunity to serve the church as the youth leader and go to school every day in my daily, ordinary routine and be available for the Holy Spirit to work in whatever way He'd want. I would start my day, God, what are you doing here today? Like, let's do this. Holy Spirit, like, show me who you want to work with. And He'd bring me students, and all of a sudden, i find myself praying and building them up and um, seeing the amazing amazing empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There, there's, I want to tell you about this one girl. Um, she was really hurt from her parents. Uh, she, or both her parents had abandoned her. Uh, she lived with her grandmother who was overbearing and possessive, loved her to death, but really intense. Whenever the father would interact with her, he'd do it in a manipulative way to attempt to use her for his betterment or to make him look more, uh, more better. And she had a lot of wounds, and because of that, family life, to the point where she was in severe depression and suicidal tendencies on a regular basis. This is a scholar, the most amazing artist I have ever worked with in my 15 years of teaching. She was an academic, a 4.0 student, but had a completely broken mental health life. She'd come to school a couple times a week and find teachers she trusted and just weep and wail at the life she was given, and the depression she was in. So I got to the point where I would give her a safe space. I cared a lot about her. She was very talented. And I would give her a safe space and counsel her, right? She knew Jesus. She knew of the Lord. And we would speak of uh, what his plan was for her. Uh, And I I was attempting to just kind of give her the Band-Aid, right, for a long time, um, and just help her at least engage in her day. But this one day she came in and she was extraordinarily hurt. And she's in my office and she says, don't leave yet. I said, okay, I'm still here. You know, I got class out here, but okay, I'm here for you. And she says, I can't stop the voices. The voices keep telling me I'm not worthy and I shouldn't be here and that I've let everybody down and I'm worthless. And right there, I can see that the enemy has this hold on her, and it needs to be broken. And I was pretty scared at this moment, but I knew the only person that could deal with this was Jesus himself, and the Holy Spirit led me to be able to lay hands on her in the office space at school and pray the Holy Spirit bind these voices and take out the enemy that he had already won, and that, I would, that she would be Entering her day, and this would be removed from her life. And I grabbed her arm, and there was a miraculous healing that took place in this girl's life. At that moment, she went on from this day. She, she entered the class right after that. We were able to wipe her tears and get her right, and we had just bound the enemy in the name of Jesus. She went on to lead a mental health campaign at our school, where she then be, she designed. A 20-minute presentation, built flyers, and a video harnessed four of her friends. She delivered to 600 children about suicide prevention. The presentation was so professional and so well done that it was delivered to all the teachers. It went so well there that she was invited to come to the district level and share at one of our uh, district-wide workshops. This was a girl that couldn't stand in front of an audience without completely freezing, freaking out, and leaving in an absolute panic. And two years later, she's leading a mental health campaign because Jesus Christ transformed her life. She graduates Valedictorian number one in her class, and now she's at Otis Art School in L.A., pursuing degrees in animation and drawing, uh, and she'll most likely be at Pixar making short films soon. We were able to take her hand and lift her up just like John and Peter were able to lift up the lame man. They were given this gift of faith to do a miraculous work with the lame man. And this gift of faith just wasn't the ordinary. It was this empowerment to trust God that He was going to perform way beyond their expectations. They were also given the gift of miracles. And this literally means this acts of power. And it describes when the Holy Spirit overrides the laws of nature, it's almost like a pilot taking it off like autopilot and driving the plane himself. And the gifts of healing and these gifts of miracles, they're usually like operating conjunction with the gifts of faith. But they're not whims of an individual. It's not like, okay, I'm going into a difficult situation. I like harness it, right? It's not just some whim it's not a promotional event. It's not done to, to make us or you know, individually look better. It's meant to point back to the power of Jesus Christ and this supernatural ability to trust Him. So there's questions. You know, are these spiritual gifts still appropriate today? Have they been like, taken back? Was it only meant for the early church? So I took a little look into that. And I'd like to just share with you what the Bible says about the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit. In Mark 16, verses 17-18, through Jesus made a promise. And all these signs will follow those who believe. In My name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is simple and straightforward promise given to those involved in spreading the gospel that they will be unstoppable. And God will even use the miraculous um, to protect them and make them more effective. We read last week in Acts 2, uh, 33, it says, Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. For the promise is to you and to your children and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God will call. The promise of the Holy Spirit and specifically the miraculous giftings is a promise made to all generations. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. The purpose of these spiritual gifts is to build up the body of Christ and individual Christians, and that still remains today. And in the New Testament, this natural, consistent testimony um, is that these spiritual gifts have not been retracted. When Peter and John grabbed his arm and lifted him up, his bones and feet were instantly received strength. He was told to rise up and walk. And now when he rised up and walked, um, the lame man did three things really well. And it's good for us to know this because when the Holy Spirit works in our lives, there's three things that we can do really well. The first thing he did uh, is he attached himself to the apostles, Right? He attached himself back to the the believer. It was really similar to what happened when um, Jack and I were able to lay down those sins at the cross. The church family and the reliance on believers with like-minded values became really important for me. When he entered the temple, he was leaping and walking. He was immediately showing off what God had done in his life. And then finally, he began to praise and worship. The leper or the, the, sorry, the leper. The lame man was about 40 years old. Uh, he had been crippled since birth. He was a familiar sight at the gate. So one of the questions I kind of was wondering was, well, why didn't Jesus heal him all the times before when he passed him, right? Because Jesus has been passing this lame man for a while, and guarantee he saw him. So why didn't Jesus just do the healing earlier? It's kind of the same question I asked him with my, uh, with my alcohol, right? Lord, why did you let me stay there for two decades? And we can see that God's timing is as important as God's will. And that by the Lord allowing the disciples to do the healing, it brought so much more glory to the kingdom than if just Jesus had done it. By God making, allowing me to stay where I was for so long, the testimony I have now about the power of Christ in my life is, is a whole lot more than if I had just been saved the first year of my alcohol dependency. It was a greater glory to God that Jesus healed this man from heaven through his apostles. Because the Holy Spirit then gathered the temple around and they stood there in filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened on them, him. Those race coordinators and our students and our friends that see the transformative that, that Jesus has had in our lives, we're that testimony to them. Uh, two weeks ago, when I had a chance to share with you the other, the other week... Um, I had spent that, that two days prior to coming here in the valley with an old group of friends that were a part of my old life. And can you imagine the wonder and amazement they had when I was sitting around the campfire not consuming and not a part of that old life anymore? It actually opened up the door for one of the, gentlemen, one of the guys I was with to tell me about his wife and how she just entered Alcoholics Anonymous that week. And then I got to sit there and talk about the things about God and the importance of having that relationship with Jesus and the support that a church family can bring. That would have never been the conversation if I sat there consuming alcohol alongside of them. The wonder and amazement of the people around us is such an important testimony to the Lord, witness to His Lordship. So these boasts are in the Lord. Uh, I, I, I don't have the time to go through the rest of the chapter. So I'd just like to summarize the rest of chapter 3 by looking at verses 18 through 21. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that He may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Amen. Let's be encouraged by the Word. Let's be in line with it. Be a church of fellowship and prayer and seeking His will through the Word. That the Holy Spirit will enter each of our lives in a powerful way to transform us into the, into the person He has for us, a character of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Lord, thank You so much for being here with us Lord, I just pray your presence on everybody as they go out, that you would bring um, the work of your Holy Spirit into each of our lives and just have your perfect way, uh, your perfect timing. Lord, we pray for your protection over everybody. And Lord, we just pray uh, for our schools, Lord, that you would have your way at the schools and bring, uh, bring comfort and peace there. Um, as, as, you know. And Lord, we just thank you for this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.